So, but we are going to start a new series. Eric's going to be preaching next Sunday, and we're going to talk about, you know, the fact that the blood of Jesus, the cross of Christ, is the only thing that can erase our past. It's the only thing that we can, we can, we can not just, you know, forget, but I mean, it erases it. It gets rid of it. And part of that is we get to lose shame. I mean, we have so much shame that we walk in that we don't even know. I walk in it. You walk in it. We just, sometimes it's just we don't even get it because of who we've been and the things we've done, the things I did this morning maybe. I don't know. There's just shame. And so we've got to get free from that. And so we're going we're gonna to start that this Sunday. So, again, I encourage you to invite some family and friends it will be amazing. Amen. All right. So before I start uh, my message today, I want to make an editorial correction. Uh, last week, I had made a guess about a scripture concerning uh, famine of the hearing of the word. And I think I said, I think it's in Hosea. You know, I wasn't sure. And so it is not. It is not in Hosea. It is in Amos chapter 8, verse 11. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord God, when I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread nor a thirst of water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. So I just had to say that because misquoting that has made me a crazy person for two weeks. I literally I was beside myself. So anyway, I just, these things are important to me. No shame, but I was a little crazy in my head just for a few days. Everybody breathe now. <sighs> okay. All right. So today, I'm going to talk about authority, right? That's what we've been talking about. Two weeks ago, I started uh, our message about the difference between power and authority. And, you know, we talked about two weeks ago how the word power in the Bible is the actual Greek word. It's called dunamis. That's where we get the word dynamite. Everybody say dunamis. Dunamis is where we get the word dynamite. And dunamis, as it relates to God, is the creative, explosive power of God to change physical reality. Everyone say amen to that. Dunamis, it changes things. It's creative. Takes something and turns it into something else. We learned about authority. The word authority in the Bible is what? Exousia. Everybody say that, exousia. And so the, the word authority in the Bible, exousia, as it relates to God, it is the judicial authority to exert rule and dominance. So exousia, authority, is the ability to speak a word or a sentence, and it immediately happens. Amen. That's, that's, the, that's how we saw Jesus. Yeah. He said something, and it happened immediately. Yeah. And exousia has the ability to affect both the visible world and the invisible world. And last uh, time I spoke, we saw that Jesus had both. Jesus has power, dunamis, and Jesus has authority, exousia. Thank God. Thank God. And so we learned about how it's power, it's the dunamis of God that changes water into wine. It's the dunamis, the power of God that produces miracles. Power is what caused the, the little bit of fish and loaves to multiply, to feed 5,000 guys and their family. Power is the very, it's the thing that opens deaf ears and it opens blind eyes. Power is the thing that we need when we've got to get new organs replaced. If I need a new kidney, you need power. Power creates. Power is the, is the ability to create something new. Authority is the force that removes stuff. Authority removes sickness and affliction. Authority is what removes dark forces, demonic entities that are maybe afflicting us in the area of sickness. 
Authority is the thing that made demons scream when Jesus showed up. And authority, again, has the ability to impact both the visible and the invisible realm. So, an example of how these two things work together would be we need authority to, to, when we pray for someone, when we're praying for the sick, we need authority to take the cancer out. To get that tumor out of the brain. Authority removes it. And then, or the demonic presence that's responsible. Many times, people's physical problems were tied to demonic problems. So authority says, come on out in Jesus' name. Power is what we need to replace stuff that the cancer destroyed. If I need a new liver because of the cancer, once it's out, God puts the new liver back in. That was how Jesus did it. We need authority. We need power. And we learned how power is a gift from God. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 tells us that, right? It mentions the gifts of healing, the working of miracles. These are gifts. Power comes as a gift according to how the Holy Spirit wants to give it. Here you go, you get this, and you get that, and you get this, and everybody gets something. I promise you, everybody gets something. And I talked about the way that we grow in power was be by being filled with the Holy Spirit. Remember that? We read in Acts chapter 6 that Stephen was a guy who was full. Everybody say full. Stephen was a guy who was full of the Holy Spirit. He was full of grace and he was full of power. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is how we enlarge our capacity when it comes to power. Well, today, I want to talk about growing in our authority and how we do that. And as I shared last week, I think many of us, are, we, we're used to going, we're very familiar and used to going after power. More power. We sing songs about it. More love, more power, more of you in my life. That was a really good version of it, by the way. <laughs> it's, it'll be on the CD. But we're, we're very accustomed to going after power. God, send us power. We need more power. God, more power, more power. But we're not really seeking how to grow in authority. I haven't heard sang any songs. God, give us more authority. <laughs> because we have to have both of these forces working in our lives. It takes both power and authority to take the kingdom of heaven and move it forward. Everyone say amen to that. Amen. Now, before I get into how we grow into authority, I, I want to do just a little history lesson concerning authority. We need some background on where this authority kind of came from and how it got passed around to where we end up where we are right now. And so for, this, for us to do this, we've, we've got to go all the way back to the beginning of the story. We have to go back to creation. Because in the beginning, God had created man and woman in his image. We are the image bearers of God. And when God created Adam and Eve, he put them in a garden to work. And he gave them a commission. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26 God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. 
And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So in this passage, we see God handing Adam and Eve authority. He said, here, I want, I'm giving you a job, and he's not going to give us a job if he doesn't equip us to do it. And so he says, I'm giving you a job, have dominion, rule the earth, here's some authority. I'm giving it to you, the earth is yours to run. The earth is yours to run. And we know this because Psalm 115 tells us this. In verse 16, The heavens are the Lord's heavens, but the earth He has given to the children of men. That's me, that's you, and in the beginning, it was Adam and Eve. Now, I, I realize that there are many verses that say the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And listen, guess what? The earth does belong to God. He is the title deed holder. is his property. God, you know, the Bible says he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. That's a metaphor for everything. God, it's all his but God gave the stewardship and the authority to rule the earth. He gave it to mankind. Adam and Eve knew what they were being given. God knew what they were being given. And so did someone else. Enter the bad guy. We have this. Divine being, part of the divine council, I believe. This serpentine-looking creature, he comes into the garden, and guess what he does? He challenges what God said to Adam and Eve. God had said, don't eat the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, or you will die. That was his words. Well, this guy comes in and talks to Eve and basically, you know, he told her that, guess what? You know what? You won't die. You won't die. And, and, and better yet, you'll actually be like God if you eat from the tree. And so Eve likes what she hears. And she and Adam eat the fruit. And guess what happens? Their eyes are open. They see they're naked. And they run and hide from God. Enter shame. First sin Boom, shame. Fear, control. And God, of course, he sees what they've done. And he has no other course of action but to banish them from the garden. Because if they stay and they eat from the tree of life, they would perpetuate their existence. And this is bad because they would be perpetually existing as spiritually dead people now. Literally zombies. They're, they're the walking dead. And God can't have that. I mean, I can't imagine what the planet would be like if, if they had access to the tree of life while living in that sin state. So God had to remove them. They had to leave the garden. They had to leave God's unobstructed presence I had to go they lost everything and when I say everything I mean everything and one of the most important things that they lost was the authority that had been given to them to rule the earth and guess who got it the bad guy. Satan got that. You see, when Adam and Eve disobeyed God, they lost the authority God had given them. And again, how do we know this? Because the Bible tells us. 
fact, let's skip ahead in the story a few thousand years to Luke chapter 4. Verse 1 says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command the stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, To you I will give all this, what? I will give all this exousia, this authority, and their glory, because why? For it has been delivered to me. And I give it to whomever I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered him, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Thank God he passed that one. Adam and Eve gave up their authority over the earth to the kingdom of darkness, to Satan, who runs that kingdom. And this is why we have wars, disease, sickness, abuse, pain, suffering. Because the earth right now is under evil management. God gave mankind the authority to rule the earth with him. And Adam and Eve gave it away to the devil. You know, we all have heard these questions over and over and over again. People, you know, they say, well, if God is so good, why do bad things happen? Why doesn't he just stop slavery or famine or war? If he's so powerful and he's so good. Well, I'll tell you why. It's because he gave mankind authority over those things. And we gave that authority over to the enemy. God can and will stop those things, but he is not going to do it without our cooperation and our participation. I mean, he really meant it when he gave us the authority over the earth. It wasn't like, oh, you know, whoops, give me that back, you know. Sorry, bad idea, I'll take that now. At least not the way we think. I mean, he really meant it. So, I mean, let's think about, think about it like this. Imagine for a moment that I've got a lawnmower, right? And I loan it to a friend to mow his grass, And let's say he's got an unscrupulous buddy, malicious fellow, and he lets him use it. And that guy steals some parts from it. Well, my friend, he brings it back, and it's missing a wheel, and the pull cord's broken. Now, imagine I've got another neighbor who comes over, and he says, Hey, man, can I borrow that lawnmower again? And I go, Sure, there it is. Now, how many of you would accuse me of being a terrible neighbor? Tom, how dare you let your lawnmower get broken? How could you, you know, let this happen to this this piece of equipment? I mean, you could have went over there at any time. You could have got that lawnmower brought it back before it was broken so I could use it. And I would say, I gave it to him to use. I gave him authority to use it and to take care of it. I want everyone to have a nice-looking yard. And I trusted him to take care of it, but he abused it instead. How is that my fault? 
Yeah, I had the power to take it back. But I didn't because I trusted him. I gave him the authority to use it. Now, I, I realize that's a crude illustration, but it's really how God has trusted us with the planet. God gave Adam and Eve the authority to run and rule the planet. And they disobeyed God and they gave that authority to the evil one, the one that they did obey. And now we've got this problem where the earth is under this demonic oppression of sickness and disease and wars and hatred and abuse. At least that was the problem until this amazing guy showed up. Everyone know who that is? Jesus. Everyone just say that. Just Jesus. And as we had read Jesus, he rejected the offer of Satan to bow down and to get that authority in the wrong way. And we read further in the story and we realize that it's not until the death and the resurrection of Jesus that we learn that Jesus actually took back the keys to the planet. In fact, he tells us in Matthew 28, Verse 16, it says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Wow. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority, everybody say, All authority. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Yeah, amen. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always till the end of the age. Amen. Jesus took back the authority that was originally given to Adam and Eve in the very beginning. And now... That authority is never going to be lost ever again. Amen. Never going to be lost. But wait, the planet is still messed up. Well, you are correct. That is where we come in. It is our job to increase and grow in authority so that the prayer that we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, can actually come to pass. God's mandate for us is to manage the planet until he returns one more time. That job description still stands. We still have that mandate. But it cannot, it cannot be accomplished apart from the finished work of Jesus Christ. You can't do it. I can't do it. It can only be accomplished through Jesus. So, we lost the authority. Jesus took back the authority. Here we are. Amen? Okay, end of history lesson. So, how are we going to grow in authority? Now, remember last week we read Mark chapter 9, verse 17. Someone from the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able to. And I left us with a question. What do we do when we can't overcome this enemy? Well, to answer that question, we have to see how Jesus taught his disciples about authority. So let's look at Luke chapter 7. In verse 2, it says, Now a centurion had a servant who was sick and at the point of death, who was highly valued by him. 
And when the centurion heard about Jesus, he sent him elders of the Jews, asking him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they pleaded with him earnestly, saying, He is worthy to have you do this for him, for he loves our nation, and he is the one who built us our synagogue. And Jesus went with them. And when he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you even come under my roof. Therefore, I did not presume to come to you. But say the word and let my servant be healed. For I too am a man set under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to the one go and he goes and to another come and he comes and to my servant do this and he does it. And when Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and turning to the crowd that followed him said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. And when those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the servant well. So, here's the first principle of growing in authority. Write this down. Here it is. To be in authority, you must be under authority. To be in authority, I must be under authority. See, when it, when it came to the healing of the centurion's servant, the centurion even knew that this wasn't about Jesus coming and touching him. He goes, I don't even need to bother with that. He knew it was about Jesus executing authority in this matter. It was about him using his authority that he, the centurion knew Christ had. And Jesus called that man's revelation of authority faith. So say this, I must be under authority. To be, to be in authority. This is so important that we have to get this. If we do not live under authority, under the authority of Jesus, then we can expect to have none. It is only as we live under the authority of Jesus that we can have authority over all the power of the enemy. Remember Jesus said, I give you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Authority always trumps power. And when it got taken away from Satan, he lost his authority. The kingdom of darkness lost their authority. They did not lose their power. And if we think we can go about fighting power with power, you don't have enough. These heavenly beings, demonic though they may be, have all their power. We have to use authority. We've got to use authority. And so this issue of being under authority to be in authority, it's very important. And it's so important that Paul even talks about it, and he expands upon it. In Romans chapter 13, verse 1. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. In other words, we don't have to, we're not scared of authority when we're doing good stuff. It's when we're behaving badly. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, 
for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For the authorities are ministers of God, attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. To be in authority, we must be under authority. And that means all authority that has been placed in your life and in my life. Because all authority is there by the design of God. And it doesn't just mean, you know, obeying laws and not speeding and the police. This means we have to be under the authority of our boss. It means we've got to be under the authority of our parents. We have to be subject to the authority of our teachers. We have to be subject to the authority of our pastors and leaders. I have to be under authority if I want to be in authority. And I realize that this idea is not popular, not in our culture today. In fact, every day we are being bombarded with images of anarchy and rebellion everywhere. It has become trendier to be in rebellion than to be in submission. And the spirit of this age is teaching us that there is no absolute truth. And therefore, I can rebel whenever it's convenient to me. I don't like what you think, so I don't have to do it. Well, here's the problem. The kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of darkness are built solely on authority structures. Heaven and hell only respond to authority. If I live under the God-given authority placed over me, then guess what? I attract the help and support of heaven. If I rebel against those in authority over me, I attract demonic forces. Because they love a good rebel. They love a full pride, full of me, full of my ideas, and I don't care about what anyone says. And, you know, most of the time, I mean, we can't, we can't look at someone and we can't tell if that person, you know, is under authority or if they're rebellious, you know. I mean, some people dress to just display their rebellion, whatever. But we can't always tell. You can't tell if I've been in rebellion this week. You just can't look at me. Maybe you can. I'm one of those rebels with a ponytail. Used to be religious. But see, that's from hell, so I can reject that. But listen, we may not be able to tell, but listen, in the spirit realm, it is obvious. It is obvious if you are under authority or you are a rebel. Heaven and hell can see it clear as day. Angels and demons, they don't care what you look like on the outside. They can see what you are putting off. They see us as either submitted to authority or they see us in rebellion to authority. And listen, the areas of your life that are under the authority of Jesus, these are the areas of life that you have the greatest chance of victory. This is where you're going to overcome. This is where you are going to be on top and not beneath. The areas of your life that are not fully under the authority of Jesus, they're probably the areas you're struggling in right now. So there are two things. There are two things that are, that are 
that we can do that are absolutely tied to our authority, if we want to grow in our authority, if we want to, if we really, really are going to be serious about this. And here's the first one I'm going to share. If you really want to grow, if we're going to grow, we must grow in our intimacy with Jesus. We must grow in our intimacy with Jesus. Jesus told us the secret to his success in ministry. John chapter 5, verse 19. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will he show him, so that you may marvel. It was Jesus' intimacy with the Father that was the strength of his authority. Notice that Jesus said, he said, the Father loves the Son. He didn't say the Father bosses the Son around orders him and commands him and treats him as a slave. He said, the father loves the son. It was in Jesus' alone time with the father that he could see what the father was doing. It was when he spent time alone with his dad that he could hear what God was saying about stuff around him, and he could say that stuff. I mean, living, imagine, imagine living in that kind of intimacy with the Father. Remember, remember back when the disciples couldn't cast that deaf and dumb spirit out, right? And they, they asked Jesus about it in Mark chapter 9, verse 28. And so when Jesus had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, well, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. Some translations say prayer and fasting. So Jesus is passing on this lesson that he has, that he's learned as he's been intimate with the Father. He's, he's passing that on to them now to teach them how to grow in authority. Jesus is, he's literally, he's telling the disciples, listen, here, here, here's what's, this is it, the, the magic tool to casting out demons. Because he's not telling us, you know, hey, if you just pray and fast all the time, then you get to do whatever you want. That's not really the point. Jesus is telling his disciples that the fruit of prayer and fasting is closeness and intimacy with Abba. And the closer we are to God, the more authority we get to carry. If we want to grow in authority, we have to grow in this area of intimacy. I mean, think about just a normal, you know, a kingdom. Um... Because that's what we're a part of, right? We're part of the kingdom of heaven in the spirit. And so when you think about a kingdom, you've got the king, right? For us, it's Jesus. It's the father. They're one. And in the kingdom, the closest to the king, those who are closest have the most authority. They have the greatest authority. And we know in the kingdom, the one who's the most closest to the king is the queen. She has more power than any other in the kingdom. And then after her, we maybe would have a son or a prince, depending on his age. That's a different teaching. And then we've got nobles and we've got knights and squires and so on all the way down to the peasants. 
They're in the kingdom too. So, in the kingdom of heaven, we all have access to the king. Because why? Because we are the bride of Christ. We are the sons and daughters of God. But here's the problem. If we live like we're peasants, out on the furthest outskirts of the kingdom where you know because because when you're a peasant and you live way out there you live way far away from the king and you're scared of the king because i don't understand the king and i don't know him and oh he's scary and he's powerful and i don't know what he thinks and i don't know what he feels and i don't know what he might say or do to me if i get too close right if we behave that way then then we're not close to the king and our authority is it's very small That is how a peasant thought, thinks. They don't have any authority. But if we live in intimacy with the Father, like we actually are the bride of Christ, like we are the sons and daughters of the King, then we get the authority of the King working in our lives. If we want to grow in our authority, we have to grow in our intimacy. Thank you. I'll give you a perfect example of some people doing ministry without intimacy with Jesus. It's in Acts chapter 19, verse 11. See, God did extraordinary miracles through Paul. We know that. So that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick, and their illnesses were cured, and the evil spirits left him. That's authority and power. (laughs) That is authority and power. Some of the Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. And they would say, in the name of the Jesus... Notice the wording here. In the name of the Jesus whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Well, seven sons of Sceva, who was a Jewish priest, were doing this. And one day the evil spirit answered them and he said, Jesus, I know. Paul, I know about. Who are you? And the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them. That's a nice way of saying he pounded them. And, they, and he gave them such a beating, they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. These seven guys, these seven brothers, had no intimacy with Jesus. And they tried to assert authority over this demon, and they got beat up for it. See, they tried to be in authority without being under authority they were trying to pretend like i have a relationship but i really don't have one see they didn't even know who jesus was except through what they had heard other people say about him so to grow in authority we have to live in the presence of god as much as possible Jesus said prayer and fasting is the number one way to increase our intimacy with God. Say prayer and fasting is the best way to increase my authority through intimacy with God. The closer we get to the Father and Son, the more we get to hear and the more we get to see what they are saying and doing. And then the more we can be trusted with more authority. But if we act like peasants, then we will never walk in the authority of the king. Because we have to be close to the king to get authority. So here's the second way we're going to increase. I'm going to go as quickly as I can. The second way that we are going to increase authority 
It's through one great big word. Obedience. God gives greater levels of authority to those who walk in greatest obedience. Every time you and I say yes and we live according to God's word, we are increasing our trustworthiness and we are therefore increasing our authority. See, God, God doesn't give us greater authority if we live with areas of our lives in disobedience. Again, remember, that's how Adam and Eve lost their place in the garden. That is how they lost their authority, was because they disobeyed. They disobeyed God's explicit command not to eat of the tree of knowledge. You know, I love what Jesus said in John 14, 15. He said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. In other words, as we cultivate intimacy through love, then guess what's going to be a natural outcome of that? The outcome will be that we will obey what he said to do. Listen, we need authority to do what Jesus called us to do. We have to have it. You can't just be talented and smart. It's not enough. The success of the mission of your life, the success of the mission of this church is going to be built on intimacy and obedience. I mean, what happens if you're in the army and you disobey orders? You get court-martialed and you lose your rank. What happens when you consistently fulfill your orders with great success? What happens then? Well, you get promoted. Your authority increases because you can be trusted with more. So what are we supposed to be obeying? Simple. The first answer is the great big one. It's called the word of God. You have to obey the word. We have to be dead set on saying yes to this. The objective written word of God. It is plain. It is simple. To understand, we have to obey it. That is where we start. God's word is the most important thing that we must be obedient to. Because it is perfect in every way. Say, God's word word. is perfect in every way. And so wherever God is shining light in his word concerning your life, You have to follow it. You have to obey it. If he's telling you to take care of finances, then you better do it. If he's telling you to take care of your health, you better obey. If he's pointing something out and he says you don't love like I love, we better get on it. Whatever he shines his light on, we have to say yes to it. And the second thing that we have to obey is God's subjective prophetic words in our lives. Word of God's up here. Our prophetic words are way here when it comes to authority. I'm not saying they're not right and they're not true. They just don't compare. But we still have a responsibility. If God has spoken something and you have a a confirmation in your heart that, yes, I I am called to do that. I have to obey. You've got to obey. You're not going to grow in our authority. If we we take God's prophetic words and we constantly leave them on the shelf and we ignore them and say, I'm not going to pray about that. I'm not going to look at that. 
We have to say yes to the things that has been confirmed in your heart and spirit. Those things that which are confirmed in your life, we've got to obey those. Now, listen, it doesn't mean you have to be successful. Okay? There's a difference between obedience and success. God says, I've called you to pray for the sick. You don't have to get results. You just have to be faithful to pray for the sick. Why? Because who's it up to that get people get healed? It's power from God, not Tom Preble power. I don't have any power. Barely have enough energy to get up on time in the morning. You don't want what I got. You want what comes through me. But if God's called you to prophesy, your job is just to prophesy. It doesn't matter if people like it or don't like it. They applaud you and write checks to you and, oh my gosh, you just saved me. It doesn't matter. Your job is to prophesy. If your job is to be a giver, and some of you are, you better give. You have to. It doesn't matter what the result is. If, oh, you saved my life. I had a bill. Or if they go, what's this for? Well, God told me to give it to you, brother. Okay. I don't really need it. Well, I'm, God said, so that's it. You are called to be faithful, not just to be a success. And I have to say that to myself because I am a getter done. I want results. <laughs> I cannot stand to be giving my time to something that I don't see something happen. And I have to remind myself, what did God say? What did he say? He said, pray. Okay, I'm praying. I don't care if anybody gets healed. I mean, I want everybody healed. But I, I just, my focus is to be obedient. Guess what? More authority comes. When I said, yes, I'll pray. Yes, I'll prophesy. Yes, I'll give. Yes, I'll serve. And then the third place we have to obey are those in authority. Yeah. That was an important point I made, so. <laughs> we must obey those in authority over us. Now, I know you're all going to get sideways. Well, what if they tell me not to believe in God? You don't have to obey that, okay? <laughs> Can we just get that out of the way? Your silly comment about, well, what if they tell me to kill someone? Don't do it. <laughs> you don't have to obey your employer. And I would want to know why you're working for that dude if he's telling you that in the first place. No, it's the stuff where he says, show up on time. You said you'd be here at 8. That's when your shift starts. You show up at 8. He says, take out the trash. You don't just push it into the corner. You take out the trash. If he says, smile at the customer, you smile at the customer. You obey those who are in authority. You will never get promoted at work if you are constantly disobeying your employer. I mean, come on, this is common sense, right? Right? It doesn't work that way. If we're constantly ignoring those things, I mean, it doesn't work anywhere like that. It doesn't work at work. It doesn't work at school. It doesn't work at home. It doesn't work at church, at business. Nowhere does it work for you to just go, eh, whatever, I don't care what you had to say. Nowhere. You are unemployed. You will never increase in authority by disobeying what has been asked of you to do. And listen, I know obedience is hard. I mean, look at what Jesus, you know, said when he was about to be crucified in Matthew chapter 26. Verse 36, it says, Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. Taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. 
remain here and watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell on his face and he prayed, saying, My father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. It was not easy for Jesus to obey the Father. It was not easy to go to the cross. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7, it says, In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. And although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. Being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who what? Obey him. Being designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Jesus Christ, through his obedience, the suffering of saying yes to the Father. And he suffered through his obedience. He earned the right to bring salvation to the whole planet. He's the only one. There is no other way you can be saved. If You, you have to come through Jesus. That is serious authority. He has all authority. So do you want authority over poverty and financial issues? Obey Jesus. Do you want authority over sickness and, and disease? Obey Jesus. Do you want authority over demonic dreams and feeling like there's demonic things running around in your house? Obey Jesus. To grow in our authority, to show the spiritual world that we are under the authority of Jesus, we have to walk in intimacy. We have to walk in obedience. Declares both to heaven and hell whose authority we are under. So I, I, I plead with us and I plead with myself. We have to obey in the little things and we have to obey in the big things. So say this, say, I must be under authority, be under authority. to be in authority. Intimacy with God increases my authority. Obedience to God increases my authority. Amen. Let's pray. So, Father, I just, I ask today, God, I know conviction was here. I know it's in the room. I know it's on my heart. It's probably on a few others. But Lord, you're not asking for us to carry a heavy load. You're asking us to carry a light one. You said the, the yoke is easy. The burden is light. You're just saying, come closer to me. Come closer to me in intimacy and you will walk in greater obedience and an authority will be released. So, Father, that's what we're asking, God, that we would be drawn closer to you, that we would be drawn into your presence, that, God, we would be courageous in obeying that which you've said. If you've called us to preach, we have to preach. If you've called us to pray, we have to pray. So, Father, I just pray that you would, God, I just, I just even want to repent, Lord, for all my, for those areas where I've disobeyed. Where I've told you in not so many words or my own actions that I've got a better idea than you. I just pray that you would, God, cleanse me of that. Just heal us, God, today. Just erase it so we can get on with the mission of our lives. 
God, help us to, to rid ourselves of the spirit of rebellion. Help manifest the spirit of adoption, God, that cries out, we are sons and daughters, and we cry out, Abba, God. So I pray today, Father, that you would just draw us into your presence more this week. That you would remind us, God, of the things that you've said, I need you to do this, and I still want you to do it. I still need you to do this. We need help, Father. So Holy Spirit, we just say, fill us up again. Fill us up again. Fill us that we may have power and draw us that we may have intimacy and authority. So God, I pray for all those who are here today. Be with us, God, as we go. We love you, God. We love you, Father. We love you, Jesus. Help us as we go this week. We thank you for your presence today and the breakthrough that have happened in so many lives. The light bulbs that went off today, the truth that was spoken. Just let it all sit inside our spirits, God, and let it have great fruit. We thank you, God, for all you've done and all you're doing. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. We're gonna